Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. No touching of the hair or face. Of course. And that's it! Now, let's do this! Well, we're super excited, right, Eric? Right it up there. Because we have an awesome guest today. Absolutely. Captain Joe Bate is with us in studio. Right here. And uh, we got a lot to go over. Quite a bit. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. Sir. Joe, thank you, sir. Thanks it's my pleasure. Coming. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. So, it's exciting. It's my first podcast. I've never been on one before. It's, uh, Don't it's, expect much. Uh-huh. It's pretty amazing. I've watched a few of them. I've watched all of your guys. Oh, I like nice. Them. Nice. Cool. You guys are entertaining. Yeah. Uh, Eric's okay. Uh, His mustache could use a little work, actually. Yeah, I, it's out of control. I'm, I had to switch to a non-dyed wax, and it just does not hold it as well. Excuse me? Was it like all organic or something? Uh, so the, I used to use one that held it better, but it it, uh, it had brown dye in it to make it look a little darker to match uh, my hair. But then when I kiss the lady friend, it ends up all over her lip. That's a little weird. Yeah, okay. and it looks like she has a mustache, but she does not. <laughs> mm. So yeah. I've switched. Okay. And it doesn't hold quite as well. i got to keep reapplying, but okay. I'll, I'll figure it out. The all mustache right. is fine. As long as he keeps the shirt closed. Right. That, that we're good. We did have an episode where he had it I, I know. fully yeah. unbuttoned. I know. I it could. I didn't make it to the end of that episode. Yeah, that was that was rough. Uh, uh, Joe didn't make it to the uh, end of that episode. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, I kept looking at him and laughing. I couldn't even look at him you anymore. You, so. were like, you were looking at his chest the whole time. I, I looked down and away. This is getting really awkward. <laughs> I had to leave. That's yeah. so bad. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to have you on, Joe. Uh, Joe, if you don't know him, he's been with us for years with Extreme Kayak Fishing. And I think his first tournament with us uh, supplying bait was the Selfish Smackdown. Uh, the first... So it was the second year that you did the tournament. Yeah, uh, we we it was a while ago. We weren't in there. We weren't there from the beginning, but I think at year two we we were there and we've been there ever since. Yeah, That's probably my favorite part about the tournaments is being able to launch and get bait on the water. It's great. Bait. It yeah. really is. Yeah. So that helped change the game. I feel like um, as well as a bunch of other stuff for the tournaments, and it made it a lot more user friendly for these anglers. And uh, yeah, it's it's been great. Uh, Joe has been with us in the Bahamas with our tournaments there. He's been with us through the selfish smackdown so i mean it's it's uh, we got a lot of stories yeah. so uh and today for you guys since we have the summer slam right around the corner taking place august 29th um you know we have joe here that's going to talk about bait and basically everything to that um i mean right i mean just everything anyway tricks all that stuff yeah we can go over i you know i've i've watched a lot of kayakers <clears throat> i can tell you i've never kayak fished I don't have any desire to do it because right. I've watched enough of it and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get it though. I mean, it's exciting. Sure. I, I've sat next to Mar- I was I was on my boat with Marlon Matt in the mm-hmm. Bahamas for five hours watching him fight a 500 pound blue Marlin. Was I was amazing. right next to him. Oh. He had the boat. He had the fish on the surface for several hours of the fight. Leadered. I jump in the water, try and video the, the fish would just dive. Gone. God. So I've seen these guys. I've seen what they have to go through. Right. It's brutal. Sure. It's brutal, but. When they get back to the beach and they've got they're holding up that fish, that you can see it in their faces. All the all the excitement's there, and yeah. it's what they it's what they paid the entry fee for. It's what it's all about, yeah. you know that yeah. that experience. And um, you know what's great is we get all these out of towners, right? And you know bait is your lifeline, and I, I always tell them that. Mm-hmm. And you know you always tell me. I mean, I got fresh gogs, I feed them. 
And I just think that's so interesting, you know, when it comes to bait, how you literally like take care of them almost like a pet, you know? So let's just dive into it. So what's your routine? You know what I mean? When you, when you go out and you're gog fishing, which you've been doing lately a lot, mm-hmm. um, like how, how does that work for you? Like when you wake up, this is what you're doing. Here's your we, day. I fished the last five nights in a row. When, when I say night, we leave before the sun sets and we're fishing right at sunset. Sometimes it takes three or four hours to fill the boat up. Sometimes it right. takes, sometimes you don't get the boat filled up and you're out there the entire night. Sure. Um, this week was a very, very good week. They bit really, really good. We, we caught them really, really quick and right. we filled the boat up every night, five nice. nights in a row. That's and we great. did it, we did it in, you know, two or three hours. So I will say gog fishing was very 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 good for us this week and i'm very thankful and grateful for it because um you like to have your tournaments around those big moons and on those big moons we can't catch bait right. so <laughs> i gotta plan ahead i gotta plan yeah, ahead. That's I, true. i've learned this over the years that right. if i don't plan ahead and I, I'm, I'm i'm dead with your tournament sure so you sure. like you like those wahoo too much you know, i, you like I to love fish those wahoo moons. so great uh and <laughs> i think uh, we'll see some this tournament i, I think so too I, mm-hmm. i'm really excited for this one last year you know we were talking about this i think on the last show yeah. last year was kind of an off year it was the first time in years we didn't get a wahoo uh, mm-hmm. Usually we get at least two, you yeah. know, nice ones. So hopefully it gets back to normal. And um, yeah, I'll be bringing one in for the tournament. So that'd be great. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Yeah, it's good to see you. Well, I'm going to show you, Eric. I'm going to teach you how to catch a wahoo with a goggle eye. One of the simplest techniques for catching a well, wahoo. Teach on a me after eye. the podcast. Don't tell everyone else. Uh, no, <laughs> no I, I'm letting everybody know about okay, this one because Joe Hector. Fair. Joe Hector needs some wahoos. Joe I Hector, need them. He's, he's been begging for Wahoos, so uh, we're going to put a little Wahoo rig together for you guys to right, uh, trick right. a Wahoo. Because Wahoo, you need to trick them. These are smart fish. Sure. That's why we don't catch them all the time. That's true. It's not like um, they're not there. Right. They're there. They're oh, yeah. They're smart. Oh, yeah. They're smart. They turn. You don't get to be a 50 or 60-pound Wahoo by eating everything that swam by you. Oh, that's turned, true. You turned your head on a few hook baits that could have been the end of your life if you made it to be that big of a fish. So Definitely. They're smart when they're big. Yeah. They, they get smarter every day, too. Yeah. And they're in schools... You know, I, I, of of hundreds. Uh, I, my buddy would free dive, and this was back in the day when I got my first. Uh, it was like three wahoo in three days, and they were all monsters. Mm-hmm. And he would free dive like way out, like in like two hundred feet. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. He was my neighbor. He came back, he knocked on my door. He said, "Joe, you know, I know you love the kayak fishing thing you're doing." He goes, "You got to go out in like two hundred and like ten feet." There's this school of Wahoo, and he says, at first I thought it was kingfish. Actually, at first I thought it was barracuda. Then he thought it was kingfish, and then, like, two of them got into, like, a fight, and they lit up when they got into a fight. And he's like, oh, my God, they're Wahoo. So I went out literally... The, that that night at dusk, not night, but it was still light out. But and then I got mm-hmm. my first one, and then I went out again that morning. In that second s- one, and the next morning, spot? third one, same spot. Yeah, it where, was amazing. Where's that spot? Yeah, what the, what are the grid coordinates? It's, on? Uh, <laughs> it's in Miami, um, <laughs> yeah. by the canyons. Yeah. And uh, but you know, it it shows you that it, they are there. Yeah, in, in monster schools, and this was in August. I will bet that you went somewhere where there was either a large wreck or some structure because. I'm a free diver myself. I love free diving. Sure. Um, and I was taught how to catch, wa- how to shoot Wahoo free diving by someone very, very good at it. And uh, we went down to Miami. There was a wreck down there, two of them next to each other called the Dwayne and the Bib. And we would go, the current would be going north. So we would go about 100 yards da- uh, up current. Okay. And then jump in the water and then really, really try and get your breath, lower your heart rate get a giant breath 
And then do that. when you get close, when you're getting close to where the Wahoo are supposed to be, you go deep. You go down about 40 feet and you look up at them. Oh my and God, you get under, You get underneath them and you look up and you see seven, eight Wahoo. Nose into the current like statues, not even moving. That it's is like so this. weird. You can't even see the tail move. You're just sitting there. Huh. Like still. Still. And then you, you come up and. So shoot. you really got to put a bait right in front of them when you're trying to I, rod and reel them. Because if they're I, just sitting there. I, I mean, don't know that they're always just sitting there. I'm sure yeah. they move around every once well, in a sure, while and sure, they go to sure. different spots. But Well, they're pelagics. So, yeah, yeah, they're definitely moving. I didn't know that they could just. Um, and my freediver buddy said the same thing. They were in this big school and yeah. they're he didn't say they were like stagnant but they were like just kind of like very slow mm-hmm. and you know just i don't know doing their thing and they fought over a bait it's a pretty amazing <laughs> it's a pretty amazing sight when you're 40 feet down on one breath and you look up and you see the sun and then in between the sun oh. is seven or eight wahoo just sitting there I just like fish. statues they look like mounts <laughs> they're amazing they look fake yeah they do when they McCroy do. brought in that 71 pounder it looked so fake yeah it looked like a blow-up doll totally. at like Bass Pro yeah. you know those big like doll pillows stuff yeah and I'm just like I cannot believe he just brought this in this is just <clears throat> unbelievable unbelievable they definitely that they definitely live in schools and they yep. that that striped thing where he said they were lit up yeah it probably wasn't them fighting it was probably them feeding yeah there's a lot of fish a lot of marlin will do that when they're in big schools and they have a big school of sardines you'll notice in the video one fish will light up right it means it's his turn to go and everyone else will sit back and the next one will light up and it's like how they talk to each other oh. with their coloring yeah you're I, right it's a theory i don't know it's just from what i've what i've gathered from you know what i've watched in my life sure oh, that's pretty sure wild. yeah they get like uh when they're happy sometimes well Except when they're about to die, they light up too. Yeah. So maybe not happy. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I went and uh, fished your tournament spot last night. Oh yeah, you and Fred went out, right? Yeah, yeah. How'd you do? I got, a, I got one king. You did. Uh, you caught a fish. I caught a fish. All right. Yeah. Nice. How about Fred? <laughs> I mean, everyone's got to know now because every podcast I we mean, ask if Fred got a fish. Yeah. That'll be a new. Did he get seg- a bite? That'll be a new segment on every podcast. Did, did Fred get a fish? <laughs> Did he get a bite? I don't know. Uh, no, I know he didn't. So. He was in one of my hobbies. He's the guy's demoing his stealth. So. We talk about this every show. And let me ask you, because you've been around fishing your whole life. Do you think that it's a confidence thing? Someone that like uses the same stuff that you're using, same spot, same everything, and they just can't even get a bite compared to the other person next to him? What is that? I mean, are it's they, are they, are they both using the same tackle box? Everything. Everything's, Everything the everything's same. exact. Everything. And one guy catches fish, the other guy doesn't. All the time. Pretty much. Same guy. Hmm. It's Fred. You know Fred. I know him. I know him well. <laughs> I love him. I love him. <laughs> Freddy's great. Freddy. He's the yeah. best. We love and, you, Fred. Uh, I don't know. I don't think Freddy goes out to try and catch fish. I think he just likes being on the water he floating around. He likes exercise. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so maybe that's maybe it's a psychological yeah. thing. Like he's not even there in the moment trying to send that energy down there to the fish to get them to come eat his thing. And he's just kind of like looking up at the wind and the, the It could be that. And, and, I the had, and I got a flat tire in my friggin' beach cart. We had to carry both the Hobies fully loaded up. How do you get a flat tire in a beach cart? Fuck if I know, dude. That sucks. I learned, I, I, I was going to roll it out to my truck. And I looked at the fucking tires flat, aired it up, and it was flat by the time I got to the beach again. Mm. Good job. So, nah. It sounds like sabotage. Probably. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, we got, so we went way off topic though. Yeah. So Joe, let's get back to your routine, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're now you're getting ready to go, and you go at night right. for gogs. Right. And what's that like when you go out? First of all, at night when you fish for gogs at night, 
let's go back. The pattern of goggle eyes is they live inshore around piers, around structure in shallow water all day. Okay. And then at night when the sun sets, they go offshore. Right. Where they stop would probably depend on where the food source they're looking for is and they start feeding. Okay. And they'll stay in that spot all night or move around from different spots looking for food. They could be in 50 feet of water. They could be in 600 feet of water. You got to go find them every single Jeez, night. So they're literally like... It's a, it's a lot more like that here in Pompano <laughs> where they could be anywhere and it's a really big area. Mm-hmm. Um, we go fish down in Miami, south south of Miami, and the window's shorter. They don't, they don't go out as far and, and they don't go in as far. So... It's a little bit easier, and that's why we travel two hours to get to a spot to fish for them because it's a good spot. The only spot I've ever seen them in Pomp or caught them in Pompano is right near the pier. Uh, Yeah, well, like I said, if look at the pattern, Um, think about when you're trying to catch a goggle eye, and know that if you go to the pier at midnight, probably not probably not going to be there because they're out in 200 feet or 300 feet feeding on plankton and krill and whatever else they can dig up. Right. Um, So for us. Um, I'm, I'm fishing right around sunset and the goal is to catch somewhere between 240 and 300 goggle eyes. It's a lot. Yeah, it's it a is lot a of fish. lot. It's a lot of fish. What's the most you've gotten in a night? Oof, man. Well, my boat can only hold 300. Right. But I probably put 360 in it. Damn. It didn't work out well though. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. In fact, the other morning, this was, I've never had a morning like this. The other morning... I was at Commercial Pier, and I was there right at sun, sunrise, uh, me and another guy on the boat, and we were trolling around the pier like a lot of kayakers do. You put your sabiki rig out, and you troll around on the surface. And Last time I did that, I hooked a 60-pound tarpon Nice. last week. <laughs> you know what? You probably hooked the goggle eye, and then the tarpon eat the goggle eye. Very, uh, <laughs> I, but you know what? Yeah, maybe. 60-pound tarpon eat tiny, no, tiny little flies. Yeah, they, t- they, they eat That's tiny true. little flies this big. I've it seen. started screaming as yeah. soon as you hit. It, yeah. I can't believe it didn't get tangled in that sabiki rig. I don't know. So the other morning, we're at Commercial Pier. We get there. Um... We were a little late. I wanted to be there a little earlier. And as soon as we got there, we started catching them. And before you knew it, I had just gotten into a zone. And it was stringer, 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 stringer. So that's eight baits. Sometimes when you – here's a little trick, everybody. Anytime you're fishing that D119 – here, I got it for you right here. This is this is the goggle eye quill. Yeah, that's that's the one. I think that's the one everybody uses. It's pretty pretty standard. But um, this quill – First off, comes with a two snap swivels on it. You always want to cut that top one off and tie a uni to uni or some type of knot, mono to mono. It just gets in the way. It tangles up. It shouldn't be there. With the bottom snap swivel, when you're trolling the pier, a lot of guys will just pull the rig out and just put it out there and start trolling on the surface. Always open up this snap swivel right here like that and make it like a hook because I've caught more goggle eyes on that snap swivel opened up than you would ever imagine. No huh. freaking way. In fact, the first bait, the first, what'll happen is if, if you have this closed and you're goggle eye fishing, you'll be like, oh, I got a hit, and then he's not there. And Oh, I got a hit, and he's not there because he's hitting this thing. What? He's hitting this. He's hitting your snap swivel that's closed. But if you just open it up a little bit, it actually becomes a hook, and it becomes another right. quill. I've actually been putting a white crappie jig on there. On Do you the catch top. anything on that one? Yeah. Just open the snap swivel. Huh. It works it works better. Huh. It does. And what happens is once the goggle once the one goggle eye gets on when you're trolling the pier areas in the morning like that, they normally will just they'll string up. If there's a lot of fish there, you you can catch them on every quill. As long as you don't just rip it rip it in real fast and you leave it out there for a little while. On the boats we have to fish these things back like hundred and fifty feet. Right. 
So on the kayaks, they don't like motors. They don't like the motors. So as long as we keep the motors away from the quills, then we have a better chance at catching them. Hmm. But on the kayaks, you don't have that problem. You're a little more stealthy. So I'm not sure how far back how far back do you fish them? Close? 25 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe try, like try kayaks. Try it back a little further and see if it makes a difference. Yeah. I, yeah. It does make it 100% in the boat, but I think it's because of the So motor. they're smart. They're scared. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Everything's trying to eat them. Man, that's the best eating fish in the ocean. Yeah, for the that's fish true. That and I think I heard this Hayabusa brand, like they actually use actual fish skin. Yes, they do. They're beautiful. Sabikis. See that? Oh, really? Yeah, and that's what makes this brand one of the best. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, and these um these are glow beads right here too. Everyone has a little green glow beads. Actually, you can't see them there. They're they're down there. Um, but if you take this and you 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 shine light on it really really hard like for instance if we had like a bright a bright light in here and i was just holding up to it yeah those beads will glow for about a minute or two Uh, and goggle eyes offshore eating those little things that glow and right little green Uh, things yeah this is kind of like matching the hatch nice so you want to light that you want to light that uh you shine a flashlight on it or something yeah anything that you have that's bright on your kayak if you're out there at before sunrise you should have a light on your kayak so it's a good good opportunity to Mm -hmm. uh to light up your quills and give you a little bit better chance of catching them. So anyways, back to the pier. We started catching them. I've got two 100-gallon wells on my boat. I can put 150 gogs in one of those wells. I've done it, and they, they're fine. Right. And being I'm close to com- on my commercial pier, i got to bring them back to Lighthouse Point in Pompano. I can put a little bit more in because I don't have a long way to travel. And when we go to Miami, we got an hour car ride, an hour boat ride from where we catch them to the boat ramp, and then an hour ride from the boat ramp. Uh, back to that back to the next where we're, where we're going to drop them off at right so you can't put a lot of baits in it's all about oxygen and heat and temperatures they're so they're so finicky you put a few more in than you're supposed to you lose all of them wow. they all they all suffer so they're done that it. finicky done it many times back to commercial pier we're catching them finally a stringer normally i count because i ca- i gotta know how many i have in each well so i can stop when it's full sure and mm-hmm. counting is hard it seems like an easy thing to do just no but you're but it's like live time the, man, they don't make them. In, if they made a clicker in just plastic that didn't have any metal on it whatsoever, sign that me up. That lasted longer than si- one trip? Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. But I've tried the metal ones, like the ones that like a, for pitch counts. Like right. a, like they get a stuck. They, get, yeah. they last like a trip and a half, and they're rusted. And then you yeah. click them five times, and the button doesn't move. And man, that's salt. I tell you what. We just count. Two people on the boat, we count. But we weren't counting that morning. And I, I looked in the well, and I was like, oh, my God, we've got too many baits. So I turned my air stone on, where when normally when we travel, we put the boat back on the trailer, there's a three-foot air stone and a, and a big com- air compressor that pumps air. Tiny little bubbles come out, and that's sure. how we keep them alive on the trailer. So I put the stone in, and I turned the thing on, and we kept fishing. And all of a sudden, I hear the air, the air stone, the breaker breaks, and it trips. So it was like a short or something. Oh, God. And I know I've got way too many baits in there. And I said, come on, pull them. And they were still biting. I left them. I left them snapping. And this all happened in about, f- like, 45 minutes, like a 45-minute window. We ended up at the one well, 267 goggle eyes Ooh. were in one well from Commercial Pier back to Lighthouse Point Marina. I was scooping them five at a six at a time out of the well just to get them out and get them into some better water. It was just chaos. Right. We lost, saved them. We lost, like, 10 beats. Oh, nice. Really? Unbelievable. Nice. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes uh, someone else is on your side that you wow. don't know is there looking out for you. But damn, man, two hundred sixty-seven at Commercial Pier in forty-five minutes doesn't happen very often. It's the first time it's ever happened to me that I caught that many that fast doing that. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. so it's pretty cool. 
And and what you do, I mean, I hear people say that it's like an art almost, you know, like almost like, uh, you know, what commercial commercial uh, sword fishermen do. Or there's a science to it. You gotta, you can't just like everyone can't just do it. And the hours that you yeah. put in, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that. Like that's you're working nights. I mean, you got to put the hours in somewhere to work. Yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you, there's a lot less people out at night. There's no no boats out on the water at night. There's right. No traffic at night. There's sure no idiots out at night oh yeah like, at least not around here but, right <laughs> um so yeah i mean fishing and working at nights is it's really nice mm-hmm. and who wants to what do you want to do at noon here mm-hmm. in yeah. south florida where, yeah where are you at noon you outside hanging out no does it hurt your body though like cause oh, you're yeah, saying yeah, like yeah. with all your yeah. you know you got to go out whether it's rough whether it's oh dude know. i went i went sword fishing with them a couple i don't know almost a month ago now yeah yeah how'd you do it ain't easy uh, our last buoy we were pulling up had like a, what, 10 to 12 foot bull shark on it or something like well, that? Well, the last buoy that we were pulling up, three guys pulled on it for 15 minutes and didn't move the fish. <laughs> so I jumped off the tower and got down, oh took my, my shirt off, with my got my tank top on, oh, and I get down there with my gloves, and I work this thing, and I, I pound it, huh? I pounded that fish. Because you're hand lining it. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait a second. So you are trying to pull this up with two other guys, no, nothing. I don't remember that part. <laughs> and, then, and then Joe jumps down like freaking Superman and just... To my defense, they had the wrong gloves on. Yeah. To their defense, Slipper. I'm sorry. To their defense, you didn't really get a grip on it. It's a what, 400 sure. pound mono. 400 pound mono, and you have okay. to grab it. Just it. came out of the water. It's wet, right. slippery. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's got a little schmegma all over it from. <laughs> Dude. And I think we lost a couple buoys that night too. We lost two what? buoys. Yeah. So we get to the last buoy. The last buoy was like a mile and a half off course. Like, was it a? F- fish yeah it was the big shark shark. it ended up being oh that was the shark one okay so but you don't know it's a 10 or 12 foot shark when you start pulling on it so everything is a swordfish until you're proven sure proven otherwise and um we were all pumped up that last buoy it was was like oh there's a fish on it he he was pulling up to it he was up in the tower oh there's a fish on this one it's moving quick man my heart i'm thinking to myself it needs to be like 150 pounds to offset the cost of those other two (laughs) buoys that we just lost you know so and (laughs) when i'm pulling on i'm like I felt a head shake too, like a swordfish will that that big bill and they sure. move it really far back and forth. I felt that one time while I was fighting it, and um, yeah, he called it out. I remember that. Yeah, oh, I'm getting a, head shakes. Dan, that, that, that felt. But the thing is, is when the shark's twelve foot and he does a head shake, it's kind of like a swordfish, right. you know, because the, the shark is so God, big. He's twelve feet, huh? It was a big one. I don't even know what kind of shark it was. I think it was maybe a bull shark. Yeah, maybe. Just but, a uh, we, I think we only caught one look at it. Uh, it well, was still dark out, and he just had his spotlights out on the water, and we just saw it swim by sideways, kind of swoop by. It, like, as ah. soon as as soon as I saw shark, I mean, I, I was I worked the fish hard. I was like a half hour of pulling on the thing and nonstop, and right. it was hard. I mean, it was very very hard, and I sure. was whooped. And it was the last. It was the last. We had already pulled in twenty nine buoys, so we're all oh. tired. We've had a long night, and this is the last one. Like, all right, come on, please be the one. Yeah. Ugh, that's heartbreak. Sharks. Sharks. Yeah, it's almost like the ocean just went. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we lost. Have a nice yeah, night. And, and by the way, wait, wait. So wait, what happened to the buoys? Maybe uh, there was a school, what? Maybe there was a school of sharks, and they're still under. Who knows? Nah. One night when I early on, what? early on in my swordfish, never... I got a good story here. This is this is an incredible story. I set the buoys out one night. It was like maybe my third trip doing this. I very very green. I don't really know what I'm doing, but right. I'm excited. And I've done a lot of swordfish trips, not not buoy fishing. So we set the gear out and. All the, all the buoys are numbered, so 1 through 32. I'm allowed to fish 32 buoys. And buoy number 30, we, we put out all 32. When we come back, 
literally that 15 minutes after we put out 30, it was missing. It was gone. Just gone. Like, we just put it out, and it's now we can't find it. So it has to be underwater. I mean, I do they do they have strength to do that? I didn't know anything then. I didn't. I had no idea what, what to expect then. I mean, this is something very new for me. So for me, I, so you were just like, I'm like, all right, missing a buoy. I mean, anybody see it? We got flashlights out. They got reflectors on them. So if the sure. lights break and the lights go out, you can still kind of right. locate them with the flashlight. They're made to be found. Yeah, they got reflectors all over. Right, them. they've got huge strobes on them that flash. You know, yeah, every, every I, I've done it. So. Yeah, I, I've, I remember. Yeah, and uh, I was gone. So the whole night. <laughs> The whole night, we go up and down the spread all night long, checking on them. If something gets out of line, we maybe it's a fish, we pull on it. We check baits. We change squids out. Right. And um, it was missing all night, all night. So I'm pulling in the gear. I've got, like, 28 buoys in the boat, and I, I catch this out of the corner of my eye in the far distance, one little flicker. And I'm like, oh, my God, I think that's our buoy. And the guy's like, come on, man, that buoy's gone. What? I'm like, I'm, I'm telling you, look in that direction. And then all of a sudden, it starts flickering. And we see it, and it's the buoy. And that we, buoy. We run up on this buoy as fast as we could get to it, and it's the buoy. And we pull on it, and there's nothing there. And we, we pull it all the way up, and we get it to the, to the surface. The hook's straight. This is a, a 10-0, triple strong, you know, badass hook. You s- those hooks are... Come, come. Yeah, I, I, I spent two hours baiting those fucking hooks. Oh. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> yes, you wow. did. And you did a good job on those. You did yeah, a good job, too, for your first time. Yeah, catch on quick. Wow, man. It was straightened. Straightened. What could have done that? Giant bluefin tuna. Megalodon. Giant bluefin tuna. Megalodon. Was my megalodon. I've caught a few blue. I've caught a few thousand pound. I've caught three thousand pound bluefin tunas before in my life, and I can tell you that. What? Yes. Yes. They will straighten that hook. I don't know anything else that can Well, you're right, that. because they had, they, a bluefin tuna, because we would catch them in the canyons in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and I never caught a monster one. I think the biggest one was probably 80 pounds, but yeah. that fish was strong enough to probably pull a buoy, and that fish was 80 pounds. Yeah. I had the pleasure I mean, of going to Prince Edward Island, Canada, to fish for giant bluefin tunas back in, like, 2012, and... I got hooked up with a great, great boat, and these guys were just amazing. They put me on five fish in five days. You can only catch one fish per day there. There's okay. like laws, crazy laws. And three of them were over 1,000 pounds. Oh, my God. And we killed one was like 750 pounds, the one we killed oh on the last God. day. Pretty epic. Wow. Pretty epic. That is epic. Yeah. So you think, though, I, I just – I cannot believe that hook was straightened. Like, that is – that – is a monster. I can't believe it took the buoy underwater for eight hours. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That's what that I can't believe. Even if, you know? even if, even if it took the buoy down for uh, an hour and you didn't see it, right? That's an hour. Yeah. That's insane. Do you know how much strength that that fish had to have? You know what's crazy that, is that it popped up right where it should have been in the spread. Huh. Like, I mean, not exactly, but right, right. Very, very, around. very, very close. Normally. You know, you lose a buoy because the fish takes it two miles away. And sure. You, right. lo- you just lose the light. So this thing was anymore. hanging I around. Just, I think it just ate right at sunset, which is what a bluefin tuna would do. And it was that time of the year when bluefins are here and they're running and they're just they're out in that area. And you ca- everyone, you know, you hear a story, one or two guys catch one every year. Right. right. It was that time of the year. So, wow. you know, that people ask, well, what do you think it was? And that's, it's, it's, it's a quick answer. Giant bluefin tuna. Oh, yeah. Could it have been a megalodon? <laughs> I've caught giant mako sharks, too could have been one of those but sharks have such a such a sandpapery skin that it would 
there would be evidence of that in your in your close to your hook on your leader. There'd be some uh, okay. ch- chafing of some kind. Yeah. There was none of that. So this just it oh. was perfect. It was perfect, perfect at that time when we were fishing three hundred pound tests. But the the line was perfect with the straightened hook. Jeez. How straightened was the hook? Like straightened, like just mm. straightened enough to to for it to fall right off for any oh fish to fall right my off of it. God, man. I mean, I'm sure it didn't just straighten in one moment because it was under for so long. So I'm sure the pressure. Yeah, it was fighting kept, it. And it just probably kept bending, digging. kept bending, kept bending. Yeah, and but still, I'm just insane. glad. I, I'm just glad I got my buoy back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I only had two more buoys to pull in. So after those two, we were going. We were leaving. So I mean, it literally popped up right. It's right around sunset. Right before sunset. Wow, that's amazing. Well, back to bait. Uh, <laughs> because I, I, these stories are like, and and that's what I love about hearing stories from guys that go sword fishing like you or or gog fishing at night there's always these stories you know that go along with mm-hmm. with that type of fishing it's just it's well, like a different world you know glowing things in the water and yeah. just it's just different well you there's know? a handful of kayakers that have approached me about taking them out to the swordfish grounds and dropping them off in their kayak to uh go battle one of these megalodons one night yeah and um Somebody just I, got I, one I think we should do, i think we should do it real soon yeah i think we should do it maybe that'd we be do, fun let's do a podcast on my swordfish boat <laughs> we'll bring some kayakers we gotta we'll, do it we'll send them out in the water we'll watch them kayak fish for swordfish and film them and uh, make a night yeah. out of it that'd yeah. be so much fun let's book it yeah, that Let's would be so it. much fun. We got to do it. We've, we've been talking about it forever. I know, I know, I know. You know? Somebody needs to get an unassisted, non-mothershipped swordfish. I don't think it can be done. I mean, look, our Gulf Stream moves at four miles an hour out there. You can do it. You got to get out there. I mean, how, how hard is it to paddle 20 miles? <laughs> well, you got, and, and look, when you go out, you're going to go head east. But as you keep going, your, your, your track is going to start becoming northeast as you get out there a little bit further. So right. you're already going to end up starting to fish a little bit north because you're not, right. not going to want to fight current. Well, I think you'd have to launch in Miami and land up here somewhere. Well, whatever. I mean, you, I think that you want to be able to fish straight off of Port Everglades into the Hollywood Hills area. There's a, there's a lot of structure, bottom structure, and more swordfish are taken in that area in, this, you know, in, this, yeah. in our parts than anywhere. So I would, I would try and get to that spot and fish that area and... I mean, I I know. I mean, I know they can get them. I know they can catch them. Oh yeah, I know sure. they can. Sure. And um, if they went out there with live bait, blue runners specifically, and they used um every means they could possibly use to try and get one of these things. Yeah. I, I I've got a couple tricks for that. I, I think I I definitely think. I mean, I, I someone did it recently on a kayak somewhere. Where was that? I don't Aust- know where it was. It was Australia, or New Zealand, or something. No, it was Colby Blackwell. Just did it last week here locally. Um, no, I don't I think, think it was. Think it was local. out of Louisiana, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was here. I think he was on uh, the Plagic boat. Yeah. Uh, the clothing company. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, hmm. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah, he got one. Uh, I think Eric McDonald from Deep Blue was with him. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where they're out of. Well, I can tell you this, that the end game is the only thing that concerns me with a kayak because these fish don't quit. Yeah. I mean, they don't quit. And and subduing one from a kayak, it's not a sailfish. Right. Okay. That that bill, the sailfish, you grab onto it, it's, oh, no, it's yeah, got a these stickiness are, to it. You can hold it. You yeah. can control it. These are literally like sam- a sword. samurai swords, yeah. and they're sharp as hell I on know, both sides. Man, and when if I you grab a hold it with a glove that's oh. not a good glove, and it slides a little bit, it goes, it cuts your gloves and goes right into your hands. They are sharp, and and they are violent. I mean, they are violent, violent fish. Um, they say that mako sharks and swordfish fight, right? They they battle each other throughout their whole lives, and huh. if you fight them, if you fight a sword, a mako shark, 
if you just want to fight a Mako shark, you're a badass. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't care who you are. But if yeah. you say, all right, Mako, come on, I'm coming for you. That make that you you just qualified as badass. They're so bad. prehistoric. I, think I saw a picture recently of they were catching a mako and it had a sword stuck in the side of it. Like what? that it was dead. I, I don't know if they were dead. It was just an image. Yeah. But uh, yeah, hmm. they I think they caught the mako on rod and reel. And when they brought it up, uh, uh, it had a little swordfish. Just it went through straight. Through That's amazing. Kills. We catch yeah. a lot of makos uh, sword fishing. A lot. Really? Of, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the most I would say more one of the more common sharks that I've caught in my you know year year they're, or so. They're good eating, right? The makos they yeah. catch them in Jersey and they keep them and they they eat there's, them. There's and two types of makos. There's a long fin mako and a short fin mako. Mm-hmm. And, they're like uh, purple, right? Yeah, the long fin mako you can't keep it; it's uh, endangered. Okay, um, so it's a no kill fish. Um, the short fin mako I, I would never keep it. I always let them go. I, I'm I'm one of the guy. I'm one of the the guys that thinks sharks should be out there. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they, they mess me up and they cost me money, but I, I yeah. think they're a really, really important part of our Ah, they're a beautiful system. animal. I mean, yeah. a, a mako, and I've seen them plenty of times, they're a beautiful fish. Yeah. They oh, really gorgeous. are. They're like this purple, yeah, kind of like a swordfish in the daytime when you see them. They got mm-hmm. that, just this coloring that's just amazing. Uh, they got the gnarly mouth with the teeth kind of everywhere. It's just And they jump. Yeah, black oh eyes. God. They jump. Yeah, you're right. They, they do. jump. They yeah. jump high. They don't mess around. They're man. fast. Yeah, very fast. I was in California fishing the Osborne Bank on a boat called Mosfina with Keith Gross, one of the best mako shark fishermen on the planet. And um, I fished for three days with him, and I caught 14 makos and one blue shark targeting <laughs> makos. Huh. And they, man, what a fishery out there! Unbelievable. The first fish, the first day, and this is all on stand up. No straps, no no harness, no, nothing to keep you in the boat. Just raw, right? Man, man it, versus it, fish. Right, right. Um, the first fish. I never fought a big fish on on stand up ever in my life before. Before I got this, what was the gear you're using? Um, it was like um, it was a hundred wide um, Akuma. Okay. It was a really expensive, really almost looked like a silver accurate. It was a brand. I, I, don't, I really don't remember exactly what it was. Right. But um, powerful. Though. The first fish. Um, the, the way they fish there, they don't even put a bait in the water until a shark shows up. So they're out there chumming, heavy, heavy chumming, like, right. chum, like beyond belief, heavy chumming. And then um, all the birds come and they sit in the water and they eat the eat the chum. And then as soon as the birds fly out of the water, they know the shark's coming. Uh-huh. The shark's there. And then huh. they put then they put the bait in. So. We just sit around and sit around, but this this shark showed up, I think, within like ten minutes of us stopping. After chumming for an hour, we chum going ten miles an hour with the with the wind, with the current, and stopped the boat. And then ten minutes later, this shark shows up, and it was estimated to be five hundred pounds, but it ate a um a half a slab of of skipjack. And it ran 50 yards and then jumped 15 feet out of the water and was literally parallel to the water at, at 15 feet. And there was a cameraman videoing it behind my back. That's the picture. Yeah, that's the picture. That's the picture. That's the picture. That's the fish. That's his uh, Facebook uh, uh, picture. It's not on. It's not my profile picture now, but it, it was my Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. And then there was a guy snapped the photo. Of the video man filming the, right. the fish, and it was it's like sick. the timing of this picture. I don't, I just epic, yeah, epic. Nice. So it was epic. a Mako. I was wondering what that was in yeah. that shot. Yeah. 
That's that was cool. my first. I was uh, I was hired to to be the the host of Monster Fish on the Outdoor Channel. Very cool. And that was my first assignment. Was go to California and go fish with Keith Gross on Mako sharks. That's awesome. <laughs> it was wild. Man. Gosh, how long did you do that? Uh, I did six episodes. Okay. It was just like a, a fill in. I was filling in for somebody that wasn't able to do it. Okay. And uh, they sent me to three different places, and did, we did six episodes in three spots. Wow. I went to went to Brazil and got to fish the Shingu River with a native tribe of Indians. I lived with them for a week. What? Wow, Dude, yeah. I didn't even know any of this oh, about you. It's, this all is my, it's all on my Facebook. You what just is go this? on is there. Is this your bio or something? Yeah, like, right? What? Yeah, wow. I mean, not, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, it's just slightly. It's like Joe shows up for the show. podcast, and he's like, "Yeah, well, when I worked for NASA, and I was," <laughs> and you're like, "What? Like, this is crazy." Yeah. Wait, so you, wait, wait, this tribe. So weird stuff had to happen, right? I mean, you amazing stuff. I mean, like, crazy, like, like wild, like literally a, a native Indian tribe. That's what I'm picturing no, in my head. No electricity. Naked. No, no. no, no. I mean, they got like. Got, yeah, the little they got, straps. They got leaves and okay. branches and yeah. stuff. Straps. <laughs> and like war paint. No, nah, yeah. they, they had clothes. They had clothes. Oh. Um, but there's a chief of the tribe. He's the main guy. He's boss. He makes all the rules. Right. Um, he's got his family, his wife, his kids, and then all the other families. And they all have their own little huts. And they have this big, giant thing that was built out of the forest. They eat. Everyone comes together and eats dinner every night together. And there's lots of kids running around happy and playful all the time. Very, very, very happy place, man. Very happy place. Huh. No what drama. were you catching? Um. Payara. What is that again? Thraida. See. And giant catfish. Ah, catfish. There we go. Yeah. Red P- tails? P- yeah. Broke a record. Broke an IGFA record. What? My guide caught um, an IGFA record, length record, for, for red tail catfish. On How that, big was on it? On that trip. It's probably a monster. I got to look at my notes, man. I have a journal that I kept, so anytime people you ask You have a journal? Question, yeah. Well, You're like Jeremy Wade almost. It's it's amazing. Come on, he man. looks kind of like him too. He oh, looks man. like him now too. <laughs> that guy is a you just, kook. You just don't have the accent, you yeah. know. But I you can th- you can do an accent, right? <sighs> I'm Joe Bate, and I sell goggle eye. I, th- I think just he is. Think my accent's good enough. <laughs> I think he is Jeremy Wade. You are Jeremy Wade. I think he just puts on the accent when. when I know. Yeah. I know. It's like a reveal. <laughs> Pull my face off, and there there I am. That's really amazing. I never knew any of this stuff. Yeah, man, I was uh, I was very lucky Damn. to be able to be able to do that. It was um, it was really cool. It was probably one of the cooler experiences in my entire life. That trip specifically, living in those conditions for how long? Primitive seven days with the tribe. Wow. But it was a ten day trip total. It took a while to get there. Yeah, I got to fly an airplane. I got to, wow. I got to literally the airplane was about to leave the village and it wouldn't start. Fantastic. So they went Ugh. and they grabbed this. It was like a rope, but it's like. Like from the from the trees, like it's a rope, what? Like, a vine? like a rope. <laughs> they wrapped it around the engine, and like five Indians grabbed it and ran with it, and the propeller goes. Bub, 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 You're bub, freaking bub, and it Starts me. off, and then we take off to go home. Did yeah. you like I, I was have sure. a I was mini sure. heart attack as you take off with this? Man. At that time in my life, I um, wow. I wasn't opposed to pharmaceutical prescriptions. Like now, today, I'm I'm totally against that. Right, stuff, but right. I had Xanax, so I was good. Oh, there you go. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Joe, yeah. it's so cool. And this is why I love doing these podcasts because you have someone on to talk about, like, bait. Right. And we're talking about tribes, tribes, swordfish, megalodons. Uh, it's but To be fair, only you were talking about megalodons. Well, they're real. Now, with all – the most important part of all three of those trips right. was bait. 
Of course. Ah, we're coming it's full tight. circle. Right, all right, right. here back we go. Back in, in Brazil, they would catch these little eels. Okay. I think they were called... I wish I would have brought those journals because I could look them up real quick and tell you these names. I just can't remember them. But there's a little eel like this big, and we hooked that thing on, and that thing caught everything. I don't know if you've ever seen the payara. You heard that fish? The vampire fish? Yes. I, yeah. Yes. Now I know. The bottom. Yep. We caught those for you know a couple of days. Um, a lot of peacock bass. Mm-hmm. The big ones. Yeah, we ate them for lunch every single day. Oh wow! We would um, we would try. We would actually leave the village in the morning with no food, and we would go catch our food. And then the Indians would make a grill out of the forest in like two minutes. They cut some things, they chop some things, and all of a sudden they had a grill. And they'd open the fish up and they put it, and then they'd go find something else and they'd make like flour tacos. I don't know where they found this stuff at. Jeez. And we had ta- we had fish tacos every day for lunch. Really? My, um, Sounds fantastic. Peacock bass. I can tell you this: one of the best fish I've ever eaten in my life was a peacock bass from the Shingu River. Well, keeping the next one I catch. I wouldn't. We need to keep that secret. <laughs> I wouldn't eat these ones around here, but no. I wouldn't do it. Oh, I agree I a thousand percent. Our water's yeah. too toxic, man. Yeah. Considering too the, toxic. the place I go to catch them is right next to a landfill. Yeah. You want to know how toxic our water is here? Tell us. Man, I was so scared this week. I don't know if you guys have seen the news about the uh, about the algae bloom in Key Biscayne and how thousands of fish are dying there. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw that this morning, actually. Well, that, that's where I run with my thousands of fish this week, mm. all the way through that bay to get them home oh my god so when i saw the news i freaked out i'm like oh my god i put all these kayak baits away they're perfect pristine baits i wonder if they got infected with this bloom through my ride through key biscayne so every day i go and i check Check on these baits and check on them and they're all still living so i think i think let's get into that so you 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 catch the bait and now your job is to basically baby them until the tournament right we pen them up um we feed them every couple days we'll pull them up real nice and easy and we'll give them um krill Okay. Um, we'll give them roe. Roe is really, really good food. Super, super food for fish. If you want to feed your bait something, it's basically eggs. Save right? all fish your ma- you catch mahi. It's got roe. Save them. Save them for me, please. Save them for me. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Huh. We need some roe. Anybody catch the bonitas and you're cutting them open? They've got roe in them. Please save your roe for me. We got to make these baits really, yeah, really, yeah, good yeah really juicy. Yeah. 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 Okay. Wow. So you're feeding them. They're penned. You're getting mm-hmm. them nice and fat. Um, what else do you do to kind of, or is that it really? You just, um, we sing to them. Nice. Really? They like that. Okay. Uh. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Sometimes I bring the guitar and I'll play them a song or something. Nice. They, they tend to like music. I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. You jump in the water and like lay there and swim with them. And... No, but when you pull them up, there's seven tarpon try- looking at you through the cage. Oh yeah. The they're ready. Trying to figure out how to get the hell in there. Really? Every time. Every huh. time. Ooh. Mad tarpon. Really? I got to go there. Don't catch tell any, one. Don't tell anybody where they're at. I won't. They're in a secret spot. I promise. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So you're taking care of them for, wait, the tournament's the 29th. Yep. So how long is it that you yeah, like two baby and a half, them? Two and a half more weeks. Well, they won't, like for the first five to seven days after you catch them, they, um, they won't even eat. They won't. Just because they're shocked or? I don't know. And they never told me why, but I have to imagine it was the hole that was put in their mouth. Uh, <laughs> maybe. You know? Or maybe I it was know. the trans. Did you ever care enough to ask? I'd ask them, but they never answer. Okay. okay. Gotcha. That's why I like gogs. They right. just they never talk back. <laughs> Sometimes they die, though. And I got to tell you, man, I have killed more goggle eyes in my life than you could ever imagine. I mean, tens of thousands of goggle eyes. 
I, I, I bought a business. I bought Hillsborough Inlet Live Bait from a guy that really didn't know what he was doing. He had two wells on the side of, a, of the intercoastal. He had a great location, great spot, but yeah, just he didn't have it dialed in. So I, I made a deal with him. I bought the shop back in like 2009 or 10, and I built the shop up from three or four customers a month to a database of 4,000 names and customers over you know an eight-year period. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we had to shut the shop down back in October when we found out our, our son had cancer. Yeah. And, um, the shop is no longer, but I actually like it better now. I like it better. Um, it's better being a wholesaler. I don't have to deal with the retail side of it. My sure. phone would, every time my phone would ring for a bait, I have to go to the shop and, and meet uh, somebody. It's not like we had an employee there. It just wasn't busy enough to do that. Right. Um, but gogs are fragile, man. Gogs are so fragile. And you kayakers, I got to tell you, man, when you're out there in the morning, you're catching these things. I'm watching you because I'm catching them there next to you at the pier. Y'all suck. <laughs> All right. Y'all suck. Y'all need to be way more careful with those things. Yeah, I just grab I mean, them, take the hook out, and throw them in my lab. Well, man, I didn't bring I didn't bring a dehooker today. I should have brought one of those things. So that's probably the most important I tool. I have one. Never used it. It's the most important tool you have on your kayak. The problem with go- goggle eyes don't have scales, so their bodies are protected by a really thick slime coat. Right. And if you if you ruin that slime coat off the bait right after you catch them and you put them in your well, that bait deteriorates every second of the moment. Sure. Mm. Um. You. Guys that fish um, Jamie Bunn's tournaments and, and guys that are, are really at the top, the top 10 every every single – They know. That's the difference between those guys and the guys that aren't in the top 10 every turn. Right. It's the only difference is how they handle their bait, how they catch them, how careful they are when they catch them, how care- – one, one bait at a time comes out of the well. You got 150 baits in there or 300 baits in the boat, one at a time. One at a time. When you when when I come to the tournament in the morning, yeah, I'm, I'm scooping them out of my well, yeah, putting them into my boat. Oh, I noticed that you do that one at a time. Yeah, one at a time. Yeah. Now, when the, the kayakers pull up, I put six in the net and throw them in their kayak <laughs> and get the hell out of there. <laughs> I did my work. It's on you guys now. <laughs> oh, but you're right. I mean, yeah. so you're basically saying the difference between winning and losing. It's your bait, man. For the most part, that may be the difference between Freddie doesn't catch fish. How's his live well? Well. Traditionally, he's been on them stealth kayaks. Yeah. And oh, those right. things suck. They have a live well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That could be They're it. Terrible. There you it's, go. We, so we cracked the code on Freddy. Typically, I carry his bait out. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think we you figured do, it out. You and do what? I, I'll take his bait because I got the Hobie live well that recirculates, <laughs> and he'll take like two at a time and put them in his. <laughs> so one goes out, and he'll keep one alive in there. Oh, it's like couples. It's like couples yeah, kayak fishing. It's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have said that out yeah, loud. I knew I was going to catch hell yeah. as soon as it came out of my mouth. I held Freddy's bait for him. <laughs> oh my god this. well um i mean when it comes to like tournament fishing what tip can you give to these out-of-state guys that are coming you know and got a bunch coming from uh new orleans new, or- yeah. new orleans new, new orleans the quality the quality of your, wrong the quality before. of your bait how you take care of your bait and the quality of your bait throughout the day is is really important um a lot of guys come with a five-gallon bucket and aerators, like two aerators and a five-gallon bucket, which is which is fine. Yeah, it's I okay. used to do that. Yeah, I, it's not a bad technique, but I think you need a lot. You can't only put you can only put five baits in there or four baits, yeah. like one per gallon of right. water. The problem with five-gallon bucket that guys do, and this happens all the time, they say, "Oh, my bait died." By it was like noon, and all my bait was dead. I said, "How many times did you change the water out in the, yeah. in the, in the bucket Zero. in the five-gallon?" Why do I have to change the water? Well, because when you put the water in, it was 78 degrees, and then the sun beat on it for four hours, and now it's 92 degrees. Yep. Right. And your baits all died because when the water temperature increases, the level of oxygen in the water decreases. Yep. It's called the oxygen saturation rate. 
and you got to keep your got to keep your your water cool my five gallon bucket died last night within an hour and since then i just bit the bullet and bought a friggin regular live well last night i ran across the bay the water temperature was 91 degrees in the bay with a toxic algae bloom going on i'm like that's not good i'm like holding my breath making just just praying just praying yeah but they're fine right yeah, I think that's, you know, I'm not sure how those algae blooms work. I don't really understand them that well. I know that hot water makes them worse. Of that's course, yeah. Them. That's why we get them in August so much, because it's the hottest month of the year for right. water. Uh, huh. The ocean temperature last night, when we, we clear, I have a picture. I took a picture of it because I couldn't believe it. We cleared the cut, and we were in the ocean, and it said 90.8 degrees. On my phone, um, I mean, on my on my tr- on my transducer that so tracks the temperature. So for all you guys, like you, you out of towners that are coming, put them down, right? Ooh, so here downrigger, little leg weight, whatever you got to do, put them down. I'm gonna show you guys a trick right now. You want to take the gogs out? Should we? Should we? Should we get get going, or what should we do? Um, yeah, we can do. That. I don't really have a way to film it though. Turn your camera on your phone. And I'll film it with your phone. My phone? Yeah. Okay. So that we were kind of talking about it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, let's let's. Uh, um, we need something to put them on, though. I got an EKFT hoorag right here. Let me go grab... I, I got something real quick. Okay. Squeeze behind you. Thank you. All right, let me see. Oh, we'll just edit this part. Oh, here, yeah. You can use a plate. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let me see. All right. I am back. Man, I brought my, uh, I brought my snapper box. This looks a little small, but we'll use it. Okay. Video. All right. Oh, look. I got a dehooker. Nice. Oh, there we go. Sweet. Nice. This is something every kayaker should have on their kayak right here. Say that again. This is something that every kayaker should have on their kayak right here. This is a D-hooker. This is a very cheap one, an easy one. Um, you uh, put your fingers in like this. So now you can still fish. You can still reel your rod. Everything's there. It's just detached. Right. And then when, you're, when, you're, when your bait comes in and you, you grab your, your lead at the bottom and you're holding the rod, now you hold the bait over the well and you, you grab the, the line, which ends up at the hook. And then you you invert the J hook upside down, and the goggle eye should drop right off into your well. And then you go do the bottom one first, if you right. have multiples on, and then you, you do the next one. And be gentle. Take your time, man. Look, this is a very, very, very important part of, of kayak fishing is making bait. And if you make shitty bait and you have a bad day, it's probably why you had a bad day because you right. made shitty bait. Because goggle eyes, if you fish them right, you put them out there, they very rarely come back. Like They rarely, very rarely come back. Now, re- hold on. Now, now do it again. Do it in sections so they're small files. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we should have stopped your phone too and started again. No, because I'm gonna just have this be a little pop up while we're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just do it in sections on the phone. Okay. I don't have enough memory. Oh, I'm aware. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so so this, where are we at? So we did that. So this right here. Here, you want to film this right here? So this this D hooker is a Malin bait D hooker. It probably costs a dollar fifty at any tackle shop here in town. Everyone should be carrying something like this. They also make nicer ones that have handles on them. I don't use this one myself. We, um, this is not strong enough for what I do because we just do it too much. 
we use a little bit heavier duty one with a handle on it and doesn't have the little ring so um, gotcha. but this is something that you should have in your tackle box on your kayak and if you don't have it it's your loss seriously it's very very very, very important. important very important okay. must have i couldn't go do my job without a dehooker i mean i couldn't get the fish off i can't touch them touch them they bang their head on something that, that slime coat gets pulled off two days later they're dead cool they get infected because our water is so toxic here that if you remove the protective layer of 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 slime on a fish and you put that fish back in toxic water the bacteria is eat right in the skin and right where that you can see every one of them starts with a little I've seen those on them. Yeah. That, that's what it's from. Starts with what? Starts like with a, like a little... Like a pimple? It's like a sore. Like a sore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, a, yeah, like okay. a rash, almost like uh, a rash. Right. And then it, it gets bigger, and then it just kills the fish eventually, and uh, they right. just die. Like a skin infection. Exactly. Yeah. Bacterial skin infection. Yeah. It's kind of like MRSA. Like if you were to get a MRSA. Right. You know, I think it probably could be something similar to that. Huh. You know? Interesting. And, and the fish... That's their protection. That's their that that, that protective layer is their it's slime everything. coat. Everything. Every fish has a slime coat, but goggle oh, yeah. eyes especially. They don't have any scales, and that's that's their that's their lifeline, and that's what makes them so fragile. Huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I know if you get stung by a gaff top trick is to wipe some of their slime off and put it over the the sting spot. Keep that. Uh, Eric. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Jesus Christ! Here, here's my, here's my tip for catching a wahoo. Here's my tip for catching a wahoo. Oh, here we go. Hey, you guys hungry? Joe's I'm wahoo. I'm what do we got? Hungry. What do we got? You guys ever try eating a goggle eye? Absolutely not. I've heard they make great sashimi. Let's Should do we it. do it right yeah. now? You want to eat one? You yeah, want to try it? Absolutely. All right, let's try it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> but I'll cut them up for you guys. Look, I brought. All right, Eric, we'll try it. I brought you a uh, chocolate chip banana. Oh, thank you, Joe. Yeah, Banana bread that is I that made. A, uh, that looks amazing. Is that special bread? Or is it just regular bread? No. Is that like sweet bad. bread? No, it's banana bread. Oh, it's banana bread. Okay. Sweet. Take a bite. Take a little bite right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm going to try this right now. All right, let's do this. All right, so I brought a bunch of goggle eyes with me today. Do you also mess with pilchards at all or mainly just gogs? Yes, both. Okay. Both, but I don't like pilchards, really. I, if I could just goggle eye fish forever, that'd be fine with you me. You just cast netting for pilchards? No. No. That's amazing. I don't cast net anything. Really? Can't. Smaller sabiki? Can't keep them alive. Anything you cast net, like that slime coat, you're, just, you're, tearing, you're tearing the fish up, and then it won't live. It's gonna yeah. You're not filming that, are you? No. Okay. All right, so these are, these are from last night. Ew. And, uh, mm, there's, there's two. Look at that little guy. Aww. Please do not put one that size in my live well during tournament day. <laughs> well, if you hey, get, that might you know be. What? If you get one that size in Just your tournament, single you, hook. you wouldn't have paid for it because I give that size away for free. <laughs> so you should have changed the way you said that. You yeah, said, make sure I get true. a bunch of those. Well, little yeah, guys. there you go. <laughs> I know you, you've given me one or two pilchards for free that got mixed in there. Look, that, that little goggle eye right there is 10 times better than a pilchard that same size. Uh, I'd agree. Yeah. I hate aw- pilchards. I'll never awesome, buy them again. See, awesome yeah, right you guys hate pilchard, but I'll, yeah. I'll tell you what. I've never gotten bit They have them. a bad rap. I got so many wahoo on pilchard. He fishes them wrong. You, you to told me how to fish it with a small single circle hook, uh, no wire. Because so I think you'd give me a small one of those, and you're like, oh, here's a pilchard too. Mm-hmm. Go out there, and you'll get a tuna. Just free line it with a circle hook. Man, I tried that. I've tried it three times since then. Did I have not even gotten a bite on a pilchard. And where'd you hook them at? Uh, I think I hooked them up. Yeah, the, that was your problem. Okay. Well, should we'll I be hooking them right behind the dorsal? No. Let well, them swim? maybe. Uh, we'll go over that. Okay. Okay. We'll get to that. Hold <laughs> them up high, though, so they can see. Well, I'm going to film that part on here. No. All right. All right. So you got a goggle eye. He's, his mouth is going to be closed, and hopefully he's flapping around and doesn't look like this stiff board guy. Right. But um, he still got his color a little bit. He looked good. Even the ones we kill. 
even the ones that die. Yeah, on, look on at that. He's got good. the little yellow stripe still. I mean. Yeah. So, um, Wahoo, you know, got a lot of teeth. So, you're probably going to need to use a little wire. Um, a little short wire is, right. is, a, is a good technique. But you got to remember this with Wahoo is that you want to make sure your wire is as long as it needs to be for this fish to be in the belly of the Wahoo. And what's sticking out of his mouth is still wire and not your not your mono. Right. Because a Wahoo will just scarf this thing down in one bite. Yeah. Suck it down right into its belly. And now, if you're fishing a 12-inch wire leader, guess what's sticking out of his mouth? Line. The line that's attached to that leader. Yeah. You want to fill him in. And you, right. just, you just lost a fish. Oh. So your, li- your leaders need to be as long as they need to be to catch the fish that you're trying to catch. And 50-pound Wahoo should probably be about – I always fish four-foot leader, wire leaders. I just always did. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, but you can make this bait swim to the bottom by how you hook them. And a lot of guys, I, I'm a firm believer in as little terminal tackle as possible. Like bait shop owners hate me because I tell a guy to go in and buy one hook, one one thing of line, and leave, and you don't need anything else. Right. You know. But um, a goggle eye, if you hook him, he's got little nostrils right here. If you hook him through the nostrils, he's going to swim, stay on the surface. Okay. Um, you can go underneath the jaw and out a nostril is another way to hook them. Um, you can actually hook a goggle eye right here. This is the craziest way to hook them. Huh. And then when he swims out, every time you pull on him, it makes him go down. You pull on him a little bit and then – Where is that? That's You're, you're getting them really right there. Yeah. You could do this with pilchards. Actually, Eric, this is the thing that I wanted you to do with the pilchard was hook the pilchard right here. Mm. And, but then you got to let your – you got to let the line go out. If you stop the bait – the bait's going to die because he's, you're pulling him against right. you're pulling the wrong direction. So you only hook a bait there if you're going to just bomb it and let it go and just let it go. And that's one of the best ways, I think, to catch blackfin tuna is to hook pilchards there and just free spool them really? and just wait for the line to start going. As it's free spooling. Oh, out, yeah, then you're going, locking it's up. Just going, it's going out. It's slowly put a little bit's coming off the drag. It's just sitting in the rod holder and a little bit's coming off at a time, a little bit's coming off at a time. And then all of a sudden you're... You're like, there is. Yeah. And it happens maybe with you have half a spool out. So, you know, and tunas can, can get you. So you got oh, yeah. to get on it quick and make sure that you don't lose them. Here's my favorite way to fish a goggle eye. And I think this is the best way to do it for, um, for Wahoo. Hook them like a kite bait. If anyone ever kite fishes, you, um, you would hook a goggle eye right here like that. And um, that's how I hook them. And that's how, that's how you would kite fish with a gog. But mm-hmm. now, if you slow troll this bait, yeah. what he does is when you pull on him, it makes his head go down, and it makes him swim down. So now you have a hook, fluoro, maybe a little spro swivel. I mean, a hook, your wire. I, I like to take the hook to wire and then put a tiny little spro swivel. That's all I use. On the, the end of the, on the end of the four-foot wire leader and then attach your fluorocarbon to that. And I use the smallest one I can find. I think it's 35 to 50 pounds. Yeah. And now now you got very minimal terminal tackle with that rig, and now this fish is going to swim down unassisted with so no, no stinger on that. You can, but, you know, the Wahoo, they're smart. they got really good eyes, and they can see. So the more stuff you got going on here, yeah, more connections. The, more, the more times he comes up and turns his head and says, I live another day because sure. you right. got too much shit going on there. Yeah. I, I will say, though, every – I, I wouldn't say every single one, but 90% of all the Wahoo I've caught, and it's been a lot, They when I brought them up, they were only hooked by the stinger. Yeah. Mm. Like in the throat area, mm-hmm. like they got – so I still think the stinger is so important. Sure. But but you're right. Look, if you don't do it right 
and you got all these connections all over your bait, it looks retarded. Well, I think They're people, gonna... they have a, I don't know why they like using such heavy t- tackle. Uh, you know, they'll be using a big ass 350 oh, yeah. pound swivel on, you know, yeah, 60 know. pound wire and well, have this mat. And it's, you're only using 20 to 30 pound freaking line on your reel. Yeah. You're going to use all this heavy metal on there. No, you're right. Yeah. Minimal, minimal terminal tackle, yep. especially on the kayak. You got enough things going on. You're by yourself with Agreed. three fishing rods. You got baits. You got ice. You got all these things to think about. Yep. Uh-huh. Why do you want to add more things to your kayak to need to go fish when you can just hook the bait like that and send them to the bottom? Agreed. And slow troll. Hundred percent. And if you fish goggle eyes in the nose, yeah, I think you got to use a stinger. Yeah. I think you're gonna get. You're gonna lose a lot of. Which fish. is typically how I fish, but I'm a. I'm mm-hmm. a. I'm gonna be doing that next time I go uh, out. Another thing with the stingers, uh, I wish I had some trouble hooks here to show it. Maybe I can just pretend like this is a trouble hook. But you got, you guys got to you got to make your stingers the right size. They got to be the right length. You can't, you know, this is about the size of the goggle eyes we're going to be fishing. Right. I just caught them all. And They're already penned up. I already the know. Gogs, people, the gogs are big. Anyway. So if you if if you if you're going to fish this this rig like this, and you want to put a stinger on this. I mean, how long do you want it? You only want that stinger about that right. long. So if your stinger's yeah. that long and you got this big rainbow, I try to get mine coming right up. Yeah, you want a little slack, like a little. No, I don't. I, I don't want mine. any slack. You I don't want any slack because if I do that, it, it affects the way they swim. If it's okay, tight, well, here's gonna here's what's gonna change that. Now, when you go to put your stinger in the fish, let's pretend this was a treble hook, or maybe you're using a J hook stinger. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So instead of just putting the putting it in, what you want to do is just pick really easily. You can pick some skin out. And then once you pick that skin out, so now it's just barely. Tucked under that skin. Yeah, it doesn't work. It does, this hook isn't the right hook. It's just a little well, bit too big. Well, and the bait's been this, dead for Yeah, a this day, bait so. doesn't have anything. But you can literally. You can so you're it. hooking it by the skin only. You can just get it in. Now, see, now you had a fully exposed hook. Right. So now, if you did it right, I didn't do it right, but. You, yeah, close you can, enough. You get the, the stinger. Idea. The stinger would be from here to here so it would only be that long yeah and now you've you've hid this hook in the fish's back and you've kept the the jet the the point of it fully exposed right hmm. that's it. great try it yeah i want to try that try yeah because i usually just bury that but i use treble so i have two hooks exposed but yeah. i like the skin but thing. the thing about it the skin comes off a the, lot when i do it my way the skin thing um will actually stay in there really good until the fish eats it and then it'll come out really easy. Right. Yeah. So and you got three exposed hooks as opposed to two. Right. You know, I like right. it. I like it. I think it works. And uh, I was gonna say that this is a pilchard and um you know you wanna try you wanna try this hooking the pilchard around his anal fin and um just bomb him. Just let him go. Every once right. in a while stop it and he'll he'll flutter and he'll swim down a little bit deeper. But it's a real good technique. A lot of the huh. a lot of the hmm. guys guys that come back with six, seven black fin tunas in the tournaments every single trip. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that is freaking awesome. We learned a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and you know, I hope you guys are, are definitely watching this. If you you got to watch this. I mean, this this is we're going to be posting I mean, it everywhere. But even if they don't plan on fishing your tournament, if you it, plan on fishing offshore, right? Yeah, this is live this bait is period, valuable, especially from a kayak. I mean, you're, that that's the bait you're going to be rolling out with. Yeah. You go. Exactly. Exactly. Um, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, because I just learned something right now. Oh, for sure. I, the skin one, I didn't. 
I didn't know yeah, about. That's, I really like that one. I, really I like, like that, that one. one a lot. I, that sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what I what I always would do was like you said, I put it through the the nose, and then I would have a little slack with the with the stinger, like kind of mm. tucked away, kind of like what you're saying with that. Tuck it away by the dorsal. Thing right. Yeah. Like, like on the right side there. a little bit. Yeah. But it seems like with that, it'd be even less because now right. it's it's there's not that little lump. Of slack hanging out. I if, need to go tackle. If you're gonna use this, tec- if you're gonna use this technique to f- hook them like a kite bait, right? Um, the the hook is the hook is a, almost in the middle of the fish at that point, a little bit forward of the middle. A stinger is just a lot of stuff to have going on. Yeah. And what'll also happen sometimes is that the fish will circle back around and it'll get the line. Your main line will get hooked on that stinger. Oh, it amazes me so, how much how many I'll like reel in my line and it's like. It's a big loop of line. <laughs> Someone, someone's going to hear me today say, fish a single J-hook and hook them like a kite bait and slow troll them around. Someone's going to hear that, and someone's going to catch a giant fish in this tournament using that technique right there. I'm, hmm. I'm calling it right now. Hmm. Calling it. Not hmm. Freddie York. Probably not. No. <laughs> Poor guy. I, mean, I love Freddie. Well, Freddie has to carry his own bait in the tournament, so he's out. <laughs> oh! <laughs> that's great uh, we're just kidding Fred we love yeah, you we love you buddy. Uh, no this is great stuff and um, uh, I this thing's gonna the recording's gonna shut off in a minute here because oh, it's yeah, over an hour sure. yeah. but uh, we're gonna wrap it up here guys um, great but, episode but great episode Joe uh, we got to have you on more. Like yeah. we really appreciate everything, and you know, thanks for showing your tips. I yeah. mean, this is this is valuable stuff, and I hope you guys learned a lot. Um, one, one last thing before sure. you go, yeah. If you guys are ordering bait for the kayak tournament, it's very different this time because yeah. we don't have a we don't have a um, a captain's party, right? So I own a fresh seafood delivery service, and we deliver local fresh caught seafood to homes all over South Florida. The website is blueseasfreshfish.com. I added goggle eyes and pilchards to my website. So all you have to do is go on the website, pick how many gogs you want, put them in your cart, how many pilchards you want, put them in your cart. At checkout, there's an option there that I added for EKFT for shipping. Um, So you're going to check that off. It's not going to be any delivery fee. It's going to be $0. You check that off. Go to checkout. Pay for your bait. I get the notification as soon as you do it. We print out the form, and now we can keep track a little bit better as, you know, we used to do it on an Excel spreadsheet by paper and pen. So I actually like this way better. Let me ask you this because I know the question will come up. Would you recommend someone keep gogs and pilchers in the same live well? Yeah. yeah, You know what? Last night, the last five nights, I can't tell you, probably half of the times we pulled in baits, there was both a gog and a pilchard on there. Oh, really? So they live together. They live live happily together. Now, Blue Runner... I, if you're going to put a blue runner in your kayak, well, I would just keep blue runners in there because blue runners are very deadly. They will destroy any other baits that they're living with. They've right. got little barbs on their tails, uh, and they've got yeah. really, really hard tails, and they flap that tail around, and they smack the other fish in their face. Yeah. And they're aggressive. Them. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. great baits. Great baits. Yeah. Great baits. But they don't mix well. They don't mix well. Uh, okay. All right. Sorry. No, no, back, you're right. Back to the end. Could I, could I put your link in the description? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to do absolutely. that. So, guys, you, you, I'll put the link put to where you order. Here. Great. To where you can uh, order the bait straight in the description of, uh, of this episode. Good deal. So, Good deal. I think that'll be great. And uh, prediction time. Okay. Joe, what do you think? What's going to happen in this tournament? What are we going to see? Hmm. It's always something crazy goes on in these tournaments, man. There's always one. I'm going to try and go like haywire on this one and, and, and go come up with something crazy. Damn, I wonder what's uh, end of August. I think Ooh. we're going to be see a 60-pound cobia. We had, remember that one year, Joe? We had like the 50-pounder. 
Yep. Caught. I think we're going to see that was John Sims. That was John Sims. John Sims. Yep. Yeah. That was a monster. Yes, it was. Actually, <laughs> I, I don't even think he caught that on a goggle eye. I think he caught it on a vertical jig. Oh my god! And he did. He was fishing goggle eyes. He too, did. He, he caught did. it on a feather. Oh, a feather. That's feather. Right. Oh yeah. Feather, yeah. I have it. He gave cobia. it to me. Yeah, I yeah. kept it. Yeah. yeah. It's, man, those cobia. If you get a bait in front of them, they'll hit a lot of things. They love mm. a feather, though. Yeah. They, they do. They love that bait. Um, I think something crazy is going to happen that hasn't happened before. Uh-oh. It's 2020, man. It's got to be something crazy happening uh. <laughs> just to keep in line with things right now. We've I don't know. Maybe a marlin. Maybe a white. Huh? Maybe a little white out there. I don't know. <sighs> That'd be freaking amazing. Wouldn't win anything, but they'd be great. Has for anybody ever weighed in a bluefin? Uh, bluefin tuna? Yeah. No, uh, no. I don't think they yet? can, because I think there's like laws on that or something. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not pretty sure. sure. I'm not sure. I think there is. I'd have to look, but yeah, I don't think that'll. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't I was just curious. I yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, that the big African pompanos, you know, we catch we did that. every once in a while. We that, had that that's happen. A, that's a possibility in this tournament. Yeah. Um, we had like a 30-something pounder the one year. I'm going to say, Uh-oh. you ready for this? No. Good. I'm going to say, and this this has always blown my mind, kingfish-wise, we've never really done great in this tournament. It's like always a, a been the wahoo. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought years ago we would be catching 40-pound kingfish like nothing by now. Yeah. Do you know we don't have one yet? So nothing What's the biggest 40? kingfish caught? 39. Really? Yep. Oh, 2012. Wow. wow. Hmm. So I'm going to go out on a weird limb, and I'm going to say someone comes to the stage with like a 47, 48-pound kingfish like this that. year. I like okay. that. You know, I, I don't know I'm going to tell you who's going to be, too. Who? <laughs> I have a feeling this is... This is a guy that's been fishing these tournaments for a few years and okay. love him to death. He's my neighbor, my new neighbor now. Okay. I'm putting my money on Richard Chavez. Really? Watch it, Watch it now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Doc. I'm He's going to love buddy. that. All right. You, buddy. <laughs> okay. So what do you think? I think you, you agree with me, right? I think we're going to get a big king. I like that, yeah. Because we haven't yeah. had that. It's crazy to think we haven't. 39 is the Isn't biggest Isn't that crazy? Hmm. But when you look at the Wahoo, we've gotten uh, 48, 68, 69, yeah. 54, mm-hmm. 71. I mean, it's it's. I thought that those weights would be for the kingfish. See, I think kayak fishing for Wahoo, is they have a huge advantage because they're stealthy. And, yeah. And I think, I think Wahoo are really smart, and they kind of st- sit still, and they really observe their surroundings, they're, and they're opportunists, so they pounce when they get the opportunity True. to. If you present something really nice to them, and you're quiet about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, There's I, something to it. I'm a terrible Wahoo fisherman. Every time I go out and try and catch Wahoo, I don't ever do it. But <laughs> I never do this. I never take live gog. I don't fish live gogs because they're too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's your quote of the can't, day. Can't get high on your own supply. Right, 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 right. right, right, right. <laughs> Do enough of that. Wow. All right, well, this is going to cut us off. Right. So, um, listen, Joe, we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, my Awesome show. My and uh, we're going to try to get you back on soon because right. this yeah. is a blast. Let's do it again before the tournament. Yeah, definitely. Maybe the week of. Definitely. And, right. and guys, real quick before we end this, remember, you have to pay online uh, uh, for your registration for the Summer Slam. And you have from now... The 12th to the 27th to register, get your number, fill out all of the forms that we have for you guys, all the liabilities, the COVID liabilities. There's a lot of fun stuff you guys got to fill out. So um, you can At go. Nautical Ventures. I was just going to say that. You can go to Nautical Ventures in Dania to fill that out, or we're also giving people another option. They can go to the Nautical Ventures in Palm Beach. 
and they can fill it out there as well. Uh, they'll put it in an envelope for you, and then we'll come and pick them up, uh, you know, probably twice a week. So um, just so you guys know, once again, you have from now until the 27th. If an angler isn't registered by the 27th, they're going to have to be, they're going to have to pay the uh, late fee. So, um, yeah, we really appreciate everything, guys, and we're really excited for this tournament. It's it's amazing how many out-of-state guys are still coming to this, uh, given what's going on. Uh, So, um, we're We're restless. They're ready to get out. Yeah, we're all ready. You know, it's, it's... I mean, I've been fishing a couple times a week. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But we are. I mean, we're ready. We we, we want yeah. a, a friendly, you know, and a fun competition, and I think it's time. So, um, yeah, guys. So we'll see you soon, and that's it. Peace out. Fantastic. Bye. Toodles. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you're looking for more content on Raw H2O, you can go to our YouTube page. And just look up Extreme Kayak Fishing TV, or you can find us on Instagram, Extreme Kayak Fishing. Thanks, guys.